Hi guys, Catherine here. In case you're wondering, yes, I am still recording from my bedroom closet. This season, we've been catching up with chefs and restaurant owners about what reopening in Boston has meant for them and finding out how we can show our love and support to these small businesses that play such a vital role in our community. There's so much passion and ingenuity that goes into keeping a restaurant afloat during a pandemic. And I hope you will join us to hear how things are going. By the way, we know it's difficult to navigate the restaurant scene through the coronavirus era. So we are here to help. Check out our takeout guide and patio guide on thefoodlens.com. We are really excited and optimistic that Boston restaurants are starting to reopen. Today I'm chatting with Josh Childs, who is a beloved figure on the Boston restaurant scene. He is the owner of Trina's and Parlor Sports, and Parlor Sports has recently pivoted to become uh, Trina's Snack Shack, which is this great nostalgic um, soft serve and burgers and dogs kind of place. He also owns the Paddle Inn and Audubon. So I'm going to check in with him to see how he's doing, how his team is doing, uh, and hear a little bit about this new spot that he's opened, um, which has become one of my favorite places to stop after picking my son up from school. So we're all getting a lot of takeout these days, and one of our favorite spots is Celeste in Union Square. The owners, Maria and Juan Ma, are amazing, and you can seriously taste the love in their food. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I promise it is true. Whether you're eating their ceviches or their delicious stews or their steamed fish, um, it is such incredible Peruvian food, and if you haven't tried it yet, you must. So go to their website, celesteunionsquare.com, and once you click on the Toast tab to order online, you can add promo code TFL10 and get 10% off your order. So that's promo code TFL10 off your order at celesteunionsquare.com. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. So I, I always dive right into conversation and I should probably let people know that I'm here with Josh Childs and you are one of the owners of of many restaurants, Trina's, um, also now the Snack Shack, Parlor Sports, Audubon, Formerly of Silvertone, Paddle Inn. Am I forgetting anything? Nope, that's it. No, you got it. Okay, and and how are how are you doing today and in these recent days? <laughs> well, okay. Um, you know, I'm always hesitant to um, uh, seem like I'm complaining in any way because everyone is having a myriad of difficulties. Um, although I always say that I think we're all being um, more pragmatic than anything else. But, uh, you know, like everyone else, I think we have our uh, roller coaster ups and downs, but we're um, certainly trying as hard as uh, possible. I, uh, I continually joke with the team that I've, uh, I've never worked so hard in my 30-year career, and I uh, have kind of um, unloaded the gas tank, if you will, on all my creative ideas. <laughs> I think I'm getting to the end of the, the line with that, but we're certainly, certainly trying hard. My son's preschool is just down the street from you, so we often get uh, either an ice cream or a cocktail or both. Uh, and I did see you out there waiting tables recently, um, so yeah. I know you're. I know you're working hard. And then also, you know, creativity. One of the reasons I wanted to chat with you was, um, you know, so many people are making these pandemic pivots and turning Parlor Sports into Trina's Snack Shack was you know, such a cool idea. And I, I really appreciate it as someone who spends a lot of time in that, in that area. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thinking behind that and, and just a little bit about the spot. Well, I, I will say that I, I have always wanted to do some sort of soft serve 
um, ice cream component. Um, it never really was the perfect fit, but it um, goes back to my youth in upstate New York in the Adirondacks near Lake Placid, New York. There was this awesome place in the 70s that kind of continued into the early 2000s, but it was called Custard, Mustard, and Brew, which is just a legendary name. But you could get a beer and you could get hot dogs and sandwiches and, and burgers and soft serve ice cream, and it still had the, the great kind of... Um, uh, you know, faux sculpture with the sign of the soft serve that kind of, you know, spun over the sign. And I think all of us probably have a snack shack in our past, whether that was something on the beach or whether it was a little bodega down from the house where you grew up and you kind of remember your parents taking you in your pajamas to get an ice cream in the summer or something. Um, so I, I, for me, that kind of fed into the idea of it. And um, we were lucky. The physical layout was such that I in a, in a really spending no money, um, could rebuild um, using the tabletops uh, that we had at, at Parlor Sports, could kind of rebuild a counter inside, and um, uh, we got a soft serve ice cream machine. Um, but other than that, it's our, our regular kitchen. Um, we wanted to make sure that it, it seemed like a semi-permanent pop-up, so we roped our friend Ryan Mary of Ryan Mary Design into helping kind of rework our, our logo a bit and create the Snack Shack logo and then, um, you know, kind of create the signage in a way that felt more than just a, a, a you know, a, a short-term week or two process. And I think it's worked. I think it looks pretty good. I think it's, um, it's kind of fun on that corner, which is really the kind of crossroads from Cambridge, quite literally, from Cambridge to Somerville. I mean, you know, the line is right there. Um, it's pretty nice to see, like you said, your family's out there on a you know evening night. Um, you know, kids kind of getting their soft serve and running in the bank parking lot at the end of the. You know, it, it kind of feels like community there. So I, 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 I feel very thankful that we were able to uh, not only have the space, but um, you know, create something fun in in such a challenging environment. And I think it kind of extends the community there. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar and. In- I have enjoyed all of your restaurants, but I'm particularly fond of Trina's and Parlor Sports just because it's, like, in my backyard. And I've always – your brand of hospitality, I feel like, is so, like, comfortable and community-focused. And, you know, so much of Boston thinks of you as just, like, their favorite bartender from from the old days of you at Silvertone. And then you made this, like, really great transition. So, you know, it's been wonderful to see that sense of community still still there. I did also want to ask about your staff and how, you know, they're holding up with all this and how you're managing, you know, staff in all these different places dealing with a, a myriad of challenges. Well, I've, I've, I've always said that the key to any sort of success is to surround yourself by people that you think are much more talented than you are. So I, I feel very lucky to have a group of people um, from the other owners and, and management um, and, and overall staff that are just terrific. Um, we've tried to and I think this is the right way to, that we've gone about doing it is to um, be completely transparent um, and and very honest. Um, even though all of us are <laughs> have questions to say those things, you know, we don't know exactly what we're going to do next. We don't know what the next step is going to be. This is how we're going to approach it. This is how we're looking out for your safety. This is how we're going to try to, um, you know, try to remunerate everybody on the financial side of it. You know, so the first steps were we tried to make sure that we could extend benefits. Um, funds, et cetera, to all staff members, everyone there, um, as long as possible. Um, and then as we were kind of uh, regrouping with that, um, you know, the, we opened up for some takeout. And then um, 
Um, we started to gradually figure out a way that we would be able to do um, outdoor dining in kind of conjunction with the city and the kind of, um, um, you know, creating a, a license that let us do some outdoor dining. So it's been continual steps, but to answer your question, I, I, the staff has been involved with all those steps, which I think makes everyone feel not only part of the family there, but um, integrally involved and not in the dark um, about any of the steps along the way. Um, I think everyone, as we started this conversation, is a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, I think we would all be lying if we said otherwise. But, I, I, you know, when you're part of a, a group and a family and a team um, that really cares about each other and is feeling like they're um, all working towards the same goal, um, I don't mean to sound too kumbaya, but, uh, you know, I think that that really um, underlines what we've tried to do over years, um, and I, I just think it's been kind of um, uh, focused in, um, in the pandemic. Definitely. I mean, everything from like the little notes that if we get takeout from Trina's that they write on it, and you guys had postcards for a while. And I just thinking back, um, I think one of the fun things about Trina's is sometimes if you're in there in a busy night in the before times, like you're not really sure who's working there and who's a guest there, and not because the hospitality <laughs> isn't fantastic, but just because your employees seem so happy to be there. And I'm still getting that vibe, even though it's through a window now. So, um, so that makes me really happy. And and then I I also wanted to lighten things up a bit. I wanted to talk cocktails because you make really great talk cocktails. You have them to go, and I'm not saying that I ever pour them into an empty coffee cup with ice on my way home from the park because that would be <laughs> totally inappropriate and illegal. Um, I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but you make these really fantastic cocktails to enjoy at home, and I want to know a little bit about how you how you did it because that's not easy. And I know you talked to the Globe a bit about it, but for for anyone who maybe didn't, yeah, read well, it, you know that. the. Um, I feel very lucky that a lot of um, um, a lot of great bartenders from around town had really been um, in discussions with the um, the governor and um, uh, from Jackson Cannon, et cetera, to um, a number of people to really try to get the cocktail to go program um, um, out there. Um, we initially were allowed, as you, as you're aware, to do beer and wine to go, um, which disappointingly was never a really big com- hasn't really been a big component of our takeout, and I think that's because guests compartmentalize where they get products from. So people are kind of used to going to their wine store for the craft beer that they get. or the um, Even though we were selling uh, bottles of wine and beer for virtually what the, what the liquor store or a package store was selling them for. Um, so the team, we kind of had some hesitancy a little bit about the to-go cocktails, if it was going to make a big difference for us. Um, but we went ahead and tried to um, secure as many um, uh, to-go bottles and um, you know, containers that we could that would, you know, package it nicely and so on. And uh, it turned out it, it it really was a home run that we've really, um, I think people embraced it. I think we tried to do those fun little um, Trina's things where I, you know, got little rocking chair stickers made to put on the top of the rocking chair. I, I hand drew uh, bees, uh, you know, on the top of the bees knees cocktail. Um, um, you know, uh, Kayla was drawing roses on the rosé sangria. I mean, there was a lot of love going into it and we really uh, tried to make it um, uh, personal. Um, I, I think that those things extend. And I think um, from a guest perspective, if you can't go to the bar where you like to hang out with everyone, it's kind of nice to be able to see the see your friends with bartenders, et cetera, through the window even, and then you're taking a piece of that home. And I, I feel like it's kind of an extension of the, the same family and community. So no, it's been really successful. I feel very, uh, very fortunate that that was passed. And um, um, I hope that that kind of success 
continues maybe even after the, dare I say, after the pandemic. Yeah, no, for sure. I thought of that too. I was like, I certainly would love parlor sports back, but I also don't want this to go away now <laughs> because this is really great. I know. I, I know. Me too. Me too. So how are you thinking about, and again, I know that none of us have the answers, um, but obviously fall is upon us. And I feel like with the season changing, people are starting to you know, have to kind of confront the realities of whatever it is this winter is going to bring. And I'm curious how you're thinking about, you know, the next few months and and all of your restaurants and, you know, if there's any kind of insight that you can share or just let us know kind of where your head's at. Well, you know, it's very different in every community. And I, I feel like everyone makes the best decision that they can for their establishment, their staff, et cetera. Um, for us, we've just been in a position where we have not felt comfortable um, with the science that's out there, out there, and um, you know, with the aerosol particles when the way we all speak and enjoy ourselves in a restaurant. Um, even though the rates are have been pretty static, um, we've been nervous about that, um, uh, and I think that's extended in the community. We just did a uh, you know a brief survey um, on social media, um, but got about four, 450 responses, and 67% of the people said that they don't want to come inside for dining right now. Um, what we have done um, is try to um, do some things to um, increase the safety in the establishment um, kind of in parallel to uh, give us the opportunity um, if there is a point where we do feel safe and we feel like we can execute it efficiently um, with a small number of tables inside. So we're kind of working that direction. And even though we are allowed by the state to have indoor dining, um, we have not gone that route yet. I kind of hope that like my brother-in-law, who's quite an outdoorsman, always says, you know, there's no such thing as uh, bad weather. It's just bad gear, kind of. So maybe <laughs> if people are used to, 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 to bringing their own blanket or bundling up a little bit, we can extend this like they do in parts of Europe as long as possible. So we are going to do that with the, um, the state's recommendations, and they've extended that through November. I think what we've learned in, in this period of time is that, um, I don't know about you, but I'm a planner. So it's so frustrating to not be able to plan anything so you really take every week, every day uh, as best you can and just make those best choices uh, with w what's right in front of you. Yeah. Are there any kind of like, I don't know if it's silver linings or just lessons, but like, you know, assuming we do, <laughs> the things do go back to some semblance of normal. I know we kind of hate that word now, but post pandemic, like what kind of things are you going to take from this time and, and all of this craziness? Well, I think all of us, and this isn't just the restaurant business, will um, appreciate more. And, and I hope that if we've learned anything from this, it's kind of looking out um, for other people. I, I think that the pandemic has brought out a general kindness in people and, and kind of more um, um, cautious respect for uh, service industry. Um, I, hope, I hope we can continue that. I hope we can continue a conversation about um, how we treat um, and, and uh, undocumented workers who are such a vital uh, part of our industry and our country as a whole. Um, there, there are a lot of things that have uh, been a stark reality. You know, I think here we are having a nice conversation about cocktails, but a lot of people are really challenged to keep their housing or their, um, I mean, I know there's eviction uh, moratoriums right now, but you still got to pay that rent at some point. You know, that and... Um, you know, feeding your kids. And uh, we're very lucky. And we're very lucky that we've been able to continue and we have support in this community. Um, I think a lot of people aren't so lucky. And then uh, more of a conversation in the restaurant business, a lot of restaurants aren't so lucky. They're in an area downtown where uh, that have been decimated, for example, um, by uh, just lack of, uh, obviously, 
office workers. Um, yeah. It, and it is such a, t- you touched on such an important thing when you said, you know, we're talking about cocktails and there's people who don't have their, their jobs or they're worried about food security or their homes. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot as, you know, food journalism has evolved and thankfully there's more exploration now of these deeper issues of, you know, equity and employment. Um, but it's this very strange dichotomy because as hospitality folks, you know, your job has always been, or a big part of your job has been making people feel good and forget about their worries. And I think that's why I said that, you know, the Snack Shack is so great is it's such a feel-good nostalgia sort of place. And, you know, how do we strike that balance? And I think you do a really great job of it, of making people feel good, but also not being afraid to talk about the things that are really being revealed as the tide is coming out. So, you know, what would be your ask of listeners or the community in general? You know, like how can we support the restaurant industry as a whole and how can we support your restaurants in particular? Well, I, 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 I'll first say that I think that the, for us specifically, the, um, the community has really supported and helped us um, in this whole time. And I think people are, um, everyone is struggling. I mean, everyone is struggling financially. So I, I, I know that it's a hit to eat out all the time or whatever. We try to, um, you know, always have had a, a price point that's that's affordable and, and that, that makes it easier to go there or even if you're stopping by the window, you know, a couple times a week. Um, so I first say thank you. Um, and, and second say, you know, if any, any, um, any help that you that you can do, even if that's um, it's been you know people buying gift certificates in restaurants, people eating eating out in restaurants, people um, um, you know donating to uh, GoFundMe pages for uh, restaurant workers. Um, I, I think there's been an overwhelming um, um, push that direction. But uh, now more than ever, uh, to, you know, if you feel like you can go out um, and you feel comfortable with that on whatever level, um, try to pop into your local establishment, um, um, or if there's a place that you loved downtown and they are doing indoor dining and you feel comfortable with that, you know, go, go down there. Um, um, uh, you know, everyone is, everyone is trying uh, their best and I, I know all our guests are trying their best too, but, um, kind of, kind of continue that, that, uh, looking out for each other. And I, I, I think just on a, a bigger picture scale, you know, we worry about the airline industry and the automotive industry, but I, I think we both know that the, the restaurant hospitality industry employs many, many, many more workers, and um, you know this really will um, not just trickle down, but it's going to be a, a, a waterfall of, of uh, economic uh, downturn if if we can't figure out a way to, um, like the Heroes Act, I know that is um, pushing forward, continue to to help restaurants. I don't think everyone who like me and and. Uh, a million restaurant owners and restaurant workers are saying, you know, please help. It's not so much selfish, like help us. It's really help everyone because I really, it really will impact the the greater economy. 100%. Well, I know we will all be investing in um, the finest winter gear so that we can be eating ice cream cones <laughs> longer. It's so yeah, funny though. Up. I mean, every, a it's a real thing. I, I am sure that you know, it's interesting. Urban Grape posted something yesterday about, you know, do that. And I don't know if you saw Scott Kiernan's article in Boston Magazine was so great, sort of likening, um, you know, eating yeah, out at terrific. restaurants to going to a Pats game. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I feel the same way. And so we will we will continue to patronize and we will try to keep informed on the legislation. And, you know, we wish you all the best going into fall. And thank you so much for taking time to chat. Was there was there anything else that you wanted to share before I say no, goodbye? No, really, no, no, really, really a pleasure. And um, um, thanks for including me. And I, uh, it's nice to speak on on behalf of a, 
of a wonderful team in the places that I'm involved with because it's really all those people who uh, keep pushing it forward. And um, uh, just thank you for uh, speaking to this and um, including me in the process. Great. Thanks, Josh. Take care. Thank you.